I think my whole journey now starting in the B2B marketing agency, it really pushed me to all kinds of sides of scary and unknown and uncomfortable. And that's when it really hit me that the longer you stay in that comfort zone, the longer you are doing things that you are very comfortable about, the longer you are doing things you know answers to, the less you ultimately learn. So I think it's about making that conscious choice to uh, put yourself out there every day to situations that you didn't anticipate, to things that are maybe, you know, not on your level yet, uh, but you want to get there. And I think that's, that's ultimately how you grow. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Unboxed. In this episode, Ali and I sat down with Yulia Salarenko, a TEDx speaker and growth marketer in Finland, and covered a lot of things, including professional growth through being uncomfortable, uh, the crossover of marketing from other careers such as science, technology, and engineering, imposter syndrome, and the power of saying no. So a lot of great topics, uh, and I'm excited for you to listen. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, Yulia. Welcome to Marketing Unboxed. Great to have you here today. Hey, very, very happy to be here having a chat with you and really excited about the conversation we're about to have. Absolutely. And so Ali and I have been starting our podcasts with, with the same question. And that question is, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Wow, that's a good one. <clears throat> I need more time to think now. No kidding. I didn't actually have anything, you know, sort of traditional that people usually go for. I think I just wanted a better, better life, better quality of life. I just build a different life. And I kind of pretty early on, I already knew that I wanted to build life elsewhere. And I started preparing for the life abroad and kind of learning English through books and music and a lot of pulling all-nighters as a kid to just prepare for exams and such. So I kind of knew exactly the direction I wanted to take. And it wasn't really the profession. It was rather the destination I was heading to. As for like a specific, maybe a profession, this something very interesting. I was actually supposed to be a nano, nanotechnology <laughs> scientist. And uh, I was preparing for all kinds of physics, mathematics and things like that. And I was applying for this university in St. Petersburg very high high level university and I got a grant so at the same time I got a, a grant to study in Finland and it was a completely different this kind of direction for me so it was a big choice for me and I decided to instead go go to Finland and do business and switch my direction 180 degrees basically but yeah maybe in a nutshell I just wanted a different life than what I had and as for a profession, starting from nanotechnology, finished in marketing. That's the story. Those are pretty closely aligned. We we hear that yeah. story. <laughs> I mean, close enough, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely some skills I've gained while learning to be more tech savvy. They're definitely extremely useful nowadays in marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with such a huge amount of uh, tools and technologies and data that that skill didn't go in vain for sure. 
Yeah. I love the idea of uh, the more marketers that I talk to that eventually end up into kind of the, I'll call it like the business slash marketing, like crossroads where you've got marketing ops, you've got growth marketing. There's this like scientific brain that has to be part of it because there's experimentation and control groups and variables and stuff like that. But then there's this also kind of, I think in, in like product marketing, they'd call it innovation, but marketers call it creativity. And so I think that there's a good, healthy balance of those things with folks that come up from a background similar to yours. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah. And I've actually met a lot of people in the industry currently that are, have pivoted their careers completely mm-hmm. halfway through their life, started from uh, maybe technology or a completely different area. And then they just got fascinated by the whole experimentation-driven mindset uh, that is currently you know, the driving force of marketing. So they wanted to try that and and uh, kind of uh, find their own marketing persona and they just pivoted their career. And I know multiple people like that who just started from scratch, you know, blank blank canvas uh, in marketing. And I think that's the beauty of it is that you, you can still do that. Uh, you mm-hmm. can learn no matter where you are currently in your life or what industry you've chosen as your first go-to. I think marketing is so inclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, uh, that it just yeah welcomes anyone in. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that that happened to me. I was an environmental science major, and and my first oh, wow. role out of school was working at a hazardous waste remediation in Boulder and Golden, Colorado, which wasn't what I had in plan had planned. So, yeah, I think I, I think you know that's what drove me to be interested in marketing was that the how closely it related it was to science because I really liked that, that way of thinking still of not everything. It's not black and white. It's not, nobody has all the answers and they're still finding answers as we go. And we have to do our own tests. Every market's different. Every company's different. So, so I think that's what, what drove me to, to marketing in the first place too. So. That's fascinating. Do you feel like you're applying some of the knowledge from that part of your of your story now in marketing as well yeah yeah i mean i think i mean problem solving for one i mean i feel like that's a lot of what marketing is is you're solving big problems between demand problems awareness problems customer service problems i mean i think it's it's really problem solving from from top to bottom and that's really what science is as well so I saw one of your recent LinkedIn posts, and this might be a good good segue into that because you had mentioned that you know growth is supposed to be uncomfortable, right? I think you said growth happens by doing things you're unqualified to do, and so you know we we've all grown a lot by do, doing things we've we've been unqualified to do by jumping into marketing. So what what kind of spurred spurred that thought? that you posted on, on LinkedIn? Yeah, very good. Very good question. I think my whole journey now starting in the B2B marketing agency, it really pushed me to all kinds of sides of scary and unknown and uncomfortable. And that's when it really hit me that the longer you stay in that comfort zone, the longer you are doing things that you are very comfortable about, the longer you are doing things you know answers to, the less you ultimately learn. So I think it's about making that conscious choice to uh, putting yourself out there every day 
to situations that you didn't anticipate, to things that are maybe, you know, not on your level yet, uh, but you want to get there. And I think that's that's ultimately how you grow. The the kind of the thing that maybe sparked that thought for me uh, was this is something we discussed previously, Travis, with you as well. That discussion on imposter syndrome and having some self doubts along the way, and I've realized now that imposter syndrome is is good it actually pushes you to reflect and redefine what growth means to you where do these doubts or self-doubts come from and what you need to do to close the gap so i think it, it's kind of a if you approach it from like healthy perspective i, I think it's a good push forward to understand what else i need to do to close the gap between where i am now and where I want to be in X time, X amount of time. So I constantly speak about growth and I kind of redefine growth for me. So I wrote this few steps in that post of the things that really helped me with that growth spur phase, especially when things get really uncomfortable. The first one was having a really strong network around yourself. People, people or organizations with strong skills knowledge and support to get you going because I think you know it takes a village (laughs) they say it takes a village to raise a child but I think it also takes a village to to go in that growth adventure I would never do it alone makes no sense to do it alone Uh, there are people who already got there why not leverage that support and network and knowledge that they already have so having that peer support in that community of people where knowledge can be shared where uh, things can be shared. So that's that's one big, big uh, part. The second one is occasionally slowing down to really write down your goals and reflect on them all the time. You know, like in marketing, whenever you start a new project, you start with uh, building personas and the customer journey and setting the KPIs. And all of that is very nicely packaged and drawn and designed. And how many people do actually get back to that first canvas that you've dis- defined How many times do you actually reflect on that over and over again? How many times do you look at your personas when you're building new campaigns? Or how many times do you look at the customer journey when you produce new piece of content? So this is something um, inspired from that. I I realized that setting goals is not enough. Getting back to them regularly, like weekly, that's what eventually makes progress. And growth is uncomfortable, but you always have that uh, you know, that set of goals to to lean on, to reflect on how far you've come. And the third big part of it was dosage of uncomfortable. I think you kind of need to be really kind to yourself. And I always say that life comes in seasons. And I think it's important to accept that some seasons are growth seasons. Some seasons are for slowing down. And understanding and acknowledging where you are at in your life, what season you're at, and you still can manage it. And it doesn't become, it doesn't turn to be a a burnout or or something else. So I think uh, that's also like an important side of things when it comes to going on that scary and uncomfortable adventure of growth. I think there's like this dichotomy between 
we talk about growth being sexy. We talk about it being the thing that, that every company wants, but I don't know about you. I've, I've entered many conversations where we talk about what it's going to take for them to grow. And all of a sudden it's, it's like, well, well, that sounds hard. Like, <laughs> no, we, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Like we want to grow, but then we start talking about, I mean, even, even folks that I've, I've been at goal setting seminars and things like that. And they stand up on January 1st, I'm going to run a marathon. They've never ran more than a 5k in their entire life. And the distance between two or 3.1 miles and 26.2 miles is significant. It's, but really like, it's the difference between knowing what you're in for and really going through it. So in a marathon training, like a lot of people have done that in advance. It's hard. It's not complex. It's hard, but you could do it. When it comes to the unknown, I think a lot of us as marketers, um, we get praised for having the answers when in fact that imposter syndrome comes from like, but guys, I really don't know the answers. Like I'm literally experimenting just as much as you are. And if I tell you that you might question my authority. So how do you kind of balance that as a growth marketer? Cause you're always trying to find out new things ahead of your peers, but then at the same time, you know, not give off this persona that you like, don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Very good question. <laughs> you know, like sometimes getting the nightmares in the middle of the night, oh my God, somebody's <laughs> going to know I'm a fraud. I <laughs> know. Uh, yeah. No kidding. But you know, they, they, there's the saying that Googling is one of the most underrated marketing it skills. Is. And, I, I really, I really think so. It's the the thing is with growth marketing and being a growth marketer. I don't think it's entirely about the set of the amount of skill you have. Mm-hmm. I think it's about the mindset and the attitude to gain the skills you need. Things change a lot in the industry. Things change all the time. Social media algorithms change all the time. The SEO game changes all the time. The type of content you need, you need to produce changes all the time. The, the customer behavior changes all the time. So things are very dynamic. They're never still. They're always moving forward. So at any point of your life, at, at one single growth marketer, no matter that we are supposed to be jacks of all trades, it, no matter that, um, you, you cannot know everything. It's just, it, mm-hmm. it's not possible. So I think it's about that skill to learn what you need to learn, filter things, prioritize that knowledge you need to gain to be able to help your customer in the best way possible at that exact moment of time. So for me, for me, it's about that. When I see, see a customer problem and I don't, I don't know the answer yet and I'm being always very honest and you know transparent about that, about my attitude is always, I'll find out. Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. Like nothing is impossible. Let's do it together. Let's figure it out together. So I think it's that attitude and the mindset that counts more than maybe 10 years of experience if you don't have that yet. And I think a challenge people have is you, you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and you know, growth is going to be uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people quit when they get into it and they realize success isn't going to come as fast as they thought. And I think they also misinterpret how long it's taken other people who seem successful now to get to where they are. And I have to keep reminding myself of that every day because I'm one month into starting my one person agency right now that I hope to grow into multiple people. And I see, you know, Allie being so successful, doing something very similar and other people. And I try to compare myself and I know I shouldn't because everyone's had to start somewhere and we're just all at different stages. And 
and yeah, with the imposter syndrome, you know, when I, the, when I, when it was kind of a done deal that I was leaving the company that I was at, that was a very comfortable position, well-paying, a steady paycheck, all the things that have kept me from really growing over the past couple of years, when that reality hit, I mean, the imposter syndrome that I felt for probably three weeks was probably more than I've ever felt in my life. It was crazy. So, so yeah, it's definitely real, but I, the, your, your LinkedIn post really resonated with me because of, of what I've gone through in the last month and a half. And I just keep telling myself that everything's invented. You know, none of what we're doing in marketing is something that you were born knowing how to do. So everyone that's in it has had to learn it and, and I'm no different. So see how that really resonated. And another piece of advice that I have is definitely train before you do a marathon. Uh, My first (laughs) marathon I ran, I didn't train. I was 20 something and, and just full of overconfidence. And I think the most I'd ever run in my life was five miles and just thought, man, I can, I can do this. It's 26 miles. What's the big deal? Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I've trained for everyone since because it was, it was painful, really painful. So I think it's interesting. I don't know if you do this or both of you do this, but I find that when you study the human body and you study, like our brain has just this, this incredible overconfidence sometime of like, Oh yeah, that, that sounds like I could do it. And then you get it five miles in and suddenly your body starts to respond to your brain and your body's like, nah, like we can't do this. And, and like, they're like fighting, you know? And I, I think as, as, as marketers too, I don't know if you've both seen this, but when, when a company says we're going to launch this content marketing effort and they go from doing no content to, we're going to a podcast and a blog and a video. And suddenly they get a month in and they're like, Whoa, guys, this is really hard. (laughs) I don't know if we do this. So how do you battle when people try to take on too much growth at once? Yeah, I think it's about managing expectations. The problem I see in the industry is that people expect fast results. Mm. There's a lot of pressure that's coming top down, we need leads, we need SQLs, fast, many. But that's the thing, especially with content, content strategy, it takes time. It just takes time. Nothing happens overnight. And I think a lot of companies are not patient enough or there's too much pressure from the management. So a lot of companies slide down the road of getting low quality sales qualified leads just uh, to fill the quota but actually those leads never con- uh, never convert to paying customers. So they're just low hanging fruits that wanted to consume your content without any purchase intent. So I feel that there is a lot about communicating, setting the right expectations, building the strategy, uh, really setting it as a marathon preparation and not a sprint. And I think that's that's definitely tricky. There are so many different moving parts. Now that I've joined the marketing agency life and I understand how many moving parts you need to manage to get the project successful, to make sure the customer is getting, getting results. And probably this is one of the hardest things, how to manage expectations in a way that the customer is also on the same page with the whole timeline. Mm-hmm. They understand there they're, they're may be low-hanging fruits, but we need to set realistic metrics and we need to produce a lot of valuable content. We need to create multiple touch points for the customer, not expecting them to convert on the first, the first mm-hmm. attempt. So 
that's that's definitely tricky and I'm still learning on how to communicate that and how to set that expectation. But at the same time, I think, you know, industry is also changing. People are starting to realize this is not about, you know, getting getting cheap leads. This is not about spamming people with emails. This is about genuinely providing value to your to your customer, to your leads, to your to to your network. And uh, that's beautiful. The change is beautiful, and uh, I'm happy to see that more and more companies are ready to embark on this journey and be more patient and investing in content strategy long-term and not just uh, shooting for the short-term targets that eventually bring no results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you yeah. nailed, nailed it with the, the long-term versus the short-term. I think there's way too much focus on the short-term in business and, and in life. And it's not until you realize that it's a marathon. I mean, you come back to marathons, mm-hmm. somehow that's that's become a good good theme here. <laughs> It is a marathon. Life and business and marketing is a marathon. You know, when you do take on too much, it, it gets overwhelming. You, you quit everything. I think you have to work in, in chunks and, and fo- focus on certain areas. And Dory Clark has a, a book coming out September 21st to 22nd uh, called The Long Game. And, and I had an opportunity to to read it ahead of time as part of her book launch team. And one of the chapters in the book talks about working in waves and that you you don't have to do everything at once. And, and she's talked about this in her Recognize That workshop that, that I've done. And, and she mentioned specifically, don't, if you're trying to create content, especially, you know, personal branding, things like that, and, and kind of demonstrate your expertise, don't start with a podcast and a blog and try to write articles for mm, publications no. all at once mm-hmm. uh, or create a workshop, you know, focus on one, yeah. do that for six months and then either completely pivot or layer on, you know, and and that's how she's built her workshops. You know, she focuses just, just for six months on, on building a workshop and she's focused for six months just on writing this book. And so she's taken her advice and and does it. And, and I've started to take that, that advice too. And it's, it's made a yeah. big, big difference. I love it. I love it. This is so important. Less is more. I, I always, I always say less is more and like simplify to amplify the impact. We work or I've worked in my past job and current job in bi-weekly sprints. That's it. So there's only one, like one key area to focus on and every two weeks it changes. So we kind of set the experiment, we focus on that, we do it right, we do it well, we learn a lot from it, and then we move to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, some experiments are longer, some shorter, but in in, in a nutshell, this approach is, is really, really valuable, I think, because taking on too many things at once, juggling a lot of things, it's not just about not managing your time well or not managing the quality of the work you do, but it's also about the kind of learning you can ga- gain from that. And the the deeper work you do with one set of experiment or one set of content piece, the more learning and more quality learning you can ultimately gain from that. So I really love this approach and definitely less, to, less is more. And staying focused is actually really hard mm-hmm. because you want to do a million things at the same time. You get excited about a lot of you know, experiments to run. There is a lot on the table, but I think that's 
number one job in marketing is that skill of prioritization. And I, I will never, never forget this. I, I had a colleague in the past and we had this Monday, Monday meetings together with the whole marketing team. And every single meeting, when we would sit down together with a cup of coffee, ready to start the week, his first question would be, how can we do less? Hmm. And every, every week started with that question. And at first, it was really a shocker for me because I felt like I'm underachieving if there is not a lot of things going on in my calendar, if, if, if I'm not working extra hours. I felt like I'm not doing enough. I'm underachieving. I'm being lazy. But then his attitude really changed my perspective. He really pushed us to think, what can you remove from your to-do list to still achieve the same impact Mm -hmm. with your work, still gain the same amount of leads, still gain the same visibility, still drive the same traffic on your website? How can you do less? And we figured out there was a lot of things we were doing because they were good to have because everyone else was doing them and they brought zero impact. We were tracking vanity metrics that just did not matter. And yeah, then I started asking myself this question in in life. Like, you know, in my own business, in my current new job, how can I do less to really force myself onto thinking that am I doing something actually that I can either automate or something that doesn't generate value or I'm using my time for something completely irrelevant? And uh, yeah, for me, that's the best marketing question, even though it probably sounds really bizarre for some some people who like to stay busy. But I think it really forced that culture of right type of prioritization in marketing and beyond. Well, I think there's maybe a little bit of false understanding from people who are outside of the roles that we all have. I know I've had folks tell me, you know, Ali, I don't have the time to create 20 pieces of content every week like you do. And I said, wait a minute, who's great in 20 pieces of content? <laughs> I'm not great in 20 pieces of content. I think the the process that as content marketers, we all create to make it look as if we're always omnipresent is, is a process. And so it's, you know, we're not waking up every day saying, what shall I talk about on my social today? I mean, it's, it's there and it's carried out and it's streamlined. So I think there's a little bit of misunderstanding from folks about how it can be, it can be less because we're creating it once and essentially like dripping it out over the course of, of three to six months. But it, it's hard to have that discussion with, with people who don't even have a frame of reference into the industry at all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and you touched upon the, the whole content repurposing part. I'm really passionate about as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so the saying, write once, recycle forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am I, a strong believer in content repurposing. And I think there is a lot of untapped potential in, in, in the content out there the companies have. The content they forget to revisit, rewrite, refresh, the content they forget to recycle, the content they forget to create multiple touch points with, the content they forget to spread through many channels, not just one. So there is definitely, uh, yeah, steering steering to the content discussion. Now, there's definitely a lot of uh, untapped potential there that what you mentioned in the in your example that you, you don't need to write 20 pieces of content. You just need to find 20 different ways to mm-hmm. share the content with the world and get it to, to the reader that you are targeting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, saying no is one of the, the simplest yet 
most difficult yet most powerful things you can yeah. you can do uh, if you want to improve quickly at something just uh, really learn how to say no to other things that is a very very crucial in marketing as well and also say no to to yourself on the things that you you think you should be doing in marketing learning to say no to to yourself like you said to to clients to your boss mm. you know it's it's hard it's hard it is well and even sometimes you have to say no to the thing right now and you say no, but it might just be because that idea, that strategy, whatever needs to bake for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes because we live in this like fast paced, you know, if I don't growth hack today, it's not going to be there tomorrow. But, you know, the truth be told, there's, there's rarely an opportunity that we have that doesn't have some potential down the road if it had some sort of legs in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I think we're so worried about missing out and that goes to our whole social media microwave mm -hmm. culture, but yeah, I think there's some things that have merit that we say no and eventually do come back around. Yeah, so it's not a no, it's not yet. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Which is the whole basis of working in waves, right? You're saying, you're not mm. saying no, you're saying not yet. I've got to focus here first and then I'll focus, exactly. focus there. Yeah, exactly. I think working in sprints really puts you in that mentality of choosing being more selective, being more strict. And uh, I, I typically notice that it feels you can take more on a sprint that you can actually handle. So now I intentionally leave out one or two from our priorities because I just know something else will come up. I just know things are probably more complex, require more research, require more deep thinking work than it seems on the first place. So I actually kind of intentionally now go less to set the right expectation for the client and for the team as well and remove that stress and that pressure of, or dealing then with frustration that something hasn't been done in that sprint and we ha have to push it forward. I think that's also a big part about the anticipating the kind of strategy work a sprint would require to be able to remove things and remove that possible frustration. Dealing with things in the upcoming sprints that you couldn't do now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, say no and prioritize. And that's, that's definitely Googling, prioritizing and say no. <laughs> this is your marketing, like marketing, holy grail. <laughs> I think that's hard because the, there's no way that a university is going to say, we teach you how to Google better than your peers. <laughs> but I, I will say, I mean, between even, even myself and my, my children, they said, I can't seem to find whatever my older son was trying to find. And I looked at his, what he typed into Google. And I said, you will never find that searching that. What were you thinking? And he's like, well, I just thought it would think for me. And I, I just wanted to like shake him and, and say, it's a machine. It responds to the inputs that you put into it. So yeah. you know, we're not quite there yet, but I think a lot of times there's there's just like an element of critical curiosity that really good marketers have when it comes to Google, because I'll Google something and I'll find the exact thing I'm looking for. And my client will be like, where'd you find that? Google. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I think that even you mentioned kind of people that have given you feedback in your career and, and you giving others feedback, like the ability to take information, decipher it, 
make sense of it? You know, mm-hmm. how have you done that kind of as a growth marketer? And then also, you know, teaching your clients to do that. Good one. And I think maybe the core here is getting multiple, multiple points of view and never trust in only one source or never trust in only one or one truth, truth, so to speak. So always having second pair of eyes to look at it, always maybe bouncing back some ideas. I love having this quick sparring sessions with my marketing friends, just hopping on a 30 minute call with a cup of coffee and going over a challenge, just hearing the other person's perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gives so much to both actually. And the other one is, well, nobody really has an answer unless you, until you run an experiment and learn from it. I, this is probably one of those things that give me most kicks in marketing and why I love it so much and why I see myself doing this for the rest of my life at this point is, is uh, marketing is an, is an adventure every mm-hmm. single day. The things that you anticipate are going to happen, the results you think you're going to get, the content you think the audience will resonate to, mm-hmm. none of it is truth. It's just assumptions until mm-hmm. you test it. And that's what I love most about it. That feeling of excitement when you step into something really new and you're like, yes, this is going to work. And then you learn what worked, what didn't. And, you know, you scale what worked and you kill what didn't. And that's kind of the very exciting part is that we as marketers, we have a bunch of assumptions. We have a bunch of ideas. We go on this creative um, creative sprint. But then eventually the market knows better. The data tells more. And that's the exciting part, that um, never-ending learning journey that we experience on a daily basis in marketing. That's what keeps me going. And I think that's, yeah, best part about our job is that you never know in the best way possible, if that makes any sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And, and there are some personalities that do not like that. Yeah. They will not thrive in mm-hmm. marketing. <laughs> I, yeah, I can I can see that. Some people love maybe more stability and being certain and having the certainty the next day. But for me, maybe it's that fire, never-ending fire that's burning when I just want to find out. It's like a mystery that I want to solve. And I think the whole big picture around growth marketing is is that very strong emphasis on experimentation on testing things on learning things and looking at the data and i think that's that's beautiful and more and more companies are doing this nowadays moving from traditional way of doing marketing to experiment-based ways and being also very very brave in acknowledging they don't know everything and, and being ready to be challenged by the market and i think that's a very very positive shift in the industry that i'm I've been seeing. Yeah. And I think you're never, never really done. Even if you do something now and it works, mm-hmm. it's not going to work forever in its current form. Mm-hmm. And so you always have to tweak. And, and I think that's just what growth is. Growth is, never ends. Yeah. I think personally, or from a company perspective, if, if growth stalls or stops, it's really going backwards and, and you're, you're in trouble at that point. Yeah. You're very right. And <clears throat> recently I just, Sorry, a little segue. I was in the playground with, with my daughter and she was making the sand, like sand cakes. And she just, she wouldn't succeed. She did one, two, three, four, and they just kept on falling. And she, she, she just kept on trying. And I was just sitting there looking at her and I thought, if it was me, 
I would get so frustrated by now. I would just give up and walk away. But she kept on going. So 40 minutes in, she finally got her cake, the proper send, send cake. Took her maybe 30, 40 attempts. I don't know how many. And it really hit me that kids have that growth mindset that adults quite often lose. If you think like when a kid starts learning to walk, if they would give up after the first time that they fell, they would never learn to walk. What do they do instead? They get up over and over. They fall and get up. They fall and get up until they master the skill. And I started reflecting what happens to us when we grow up. Why that flexible growth mindset changes. I actually attended a few like uh, events and read a few books on that whole growth mindset and how to develop it. And actually in adults, just biologically, just takes more effort for us to adapt that growth mindset and teach and train our brain to think that way. So it's very interesting to observe her. I really feel like kids are like best growth hackers in the world. We stand no chance comparing to them, I think. And it's, it's, a, it's a good learning to apply in my current career and current role and position as a growth marketer is that things never have a finish line. There can always be more. There is always the beyond. There is always better. Things always change. And when failing, when not, when not doing something or when the results fail, that's kind of, it takes that strength in your uh, growth mindset to keep going and trying more. And you're right, Ali, it's not for everyone. I mean, it's, uh, it can be pretty frustrating to be a marketer. There's a lot of hard, dirty work behind what we do. It's not all rainbows and butterflies, but I think eventually that effort, it starts, it starts paying off. And growth mindset kind of expands all the possibilities you have when when doing marketing experiments how do you think i think that also has a double-edged sword i think it's challenging you know not having a finish line can enable some undesirable behavior for people who seek perfection because i think it's also possible to get too deep (laughs) in knowing that it can always be better And now you're way too focused on perfect and not good enough. And I think that prevents you also from pivoting and moving to the next thing. You're just stuck on how can I make this better and perfect and nothing's ever going to be perfect. No one would write a book if they were perfectionists ever. You're so right. And you, you, you hit this hit close to home for me as somebody who is sort of perfectionist trying to change that, by the way, I'm working on it. But there is this um, kind of really good approach. I, I used to work in the startup scene for quite some time here in Finland, working in startup accelerator, coaching early stage startups, doing pitch training. So like a lot, a lot of working with startups. And we kind of adapted this big mindset, just ship it. And I love that, you know, just ship it because things can never be perfect. And really, until you get it out there, you you never know how exactly to improve. I could spend weeks doing something to my level of perfection or what I what I think is perfect. But then eventually, I I, I don't know if I'm doing it perfect for for the market for for the buyer for the for the user. You know, I'm doing it perfect to my own standards. So instead, I would rather do the you know MVP 
or like rather minimum lovable product, ship it, get it out there, whatever it is, content piece, campaign, new landing page, and then see how it resonates and how I can improve. So I think that's also part of the growth to accept that things you may, you know, send out there to the world may not be perfect to my standard, but they're perfect enough to start the experiment because eventually that perfection will be defined by the people who consume consume your content or you know your your target audience so yeah it takes a lot of strength maybe also to do stop <laughs> stop at some point and realize this is good enough let's just ship it but i also on the other hand the type of work we do it it's also fostering the kind of environment where you need to move fast and be very efficient. So by default, it doesn't really allow much time to sit on for hours, you know, polishing something to so-called perfection. Uh, so luckily, that fast pace also pushes us to maybe realize, okay, this is good enough now, or this is, you know, the level that I was aiming for, or this is good enough to start the experiment. Yeah, I've seen way too many companies, well, maybe not maybe not as much recently, but certainly throughout my career where they spend a lot of time perfecting an asset before it ever gets traffic. And okay, so the user experience on this page isn't the best that it should be, but no one's even getting to the page. Why are we spending all of this time exactly. optimizing a page when like the path to the page needs work? So yeah, I think you're right on. Yeah. And, mm. and sometimes you never know what's going to work until you get it out there and let people use it and do some usability tests exactly. on it because you can't think of every scenario. You can't think of every behavior or really what people like. And like you mentioned earlier, what copy resonates, what messaging, you know, you just have to have to ship it and get feedback and, and be comfortable with feedback. You know, that's how, how you'll improve. Yeah, absolutely agree. So just ship it. That's my approach to everything. Yeah. And I think the the one one thing, and this is maybe ties up together to the whole expectation management and having the long-term game and uh, being comfortable with shipping it out there. I have noticed, I don't know, tell me please if you noticed this, but I, I somehow have a feeling like some companies or some, you know, industry industry professionals who maybe don't yet truly or fully or deeply understand what growth marketing is all about, they somehow feel or think that it's like a magic pill. You just take it and things are just awesome and you get a lot of leads and things are just working and your business is scaling. I have that feeling that people have this really high expectation from growth marketing or growth hacking or whatever we call it. Mm -hmm. But basically it's just, the name that changed. We're still mm -hmm. doing marketing. Okay, yeah. maybe the way we do marketing is slightly different, but it's still marketing. Ultimately, the fundamentals is the same. You you understand your buyer persona, you deliver value to them. And that's mm -hmm. that's how it was 20 years ago and how it is now. We just changed the way we do it. It's that over it's that almost misunderstanding of even if the word like hacker or growth hacking is in there everybody wants to believe there's some sort of shortcut to get to the destination that they want. And even if there was, even if there was, there's always a price to be paid for taking a shortcut. 
And so it goes back to like the principles of economics and opportunity cost. Like every direction you choose has some sort of reciprocal, you know, benefit or detractor. And if you growth hack, you may find that it works for a certain period of time. And then it levels out the stuff you found to be the low hanging fruit doesn't scale as quickly as it did in the beginning. So I think it's all like to make it as unsexy as possible. It goes back to your conversation about expectations. And unfortunately, a lot of us marketers spend more time convincing people that we know what we're doing than actually doing the work that we're supposed to be doing. Yes. You're so right on that one. You're so right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we're coming up on time. Maybe have have time for one one more question. If Allie, if you have a, a question, or I can throw one out there. I do. I would I would love to know. I mean, I think growth marketing is one of those those careers that one a university doesn't offer it as a degree. Two, some companies don't have job postings for it. So, if someone wants to get into kind of the work that you're doing, you know, what would your advice be for them to kind of build this into their career? Work in a startup. <laughs> That's I say this to everyone. Honestly, uh, this is the fastest pace to get where you want to get, especially if you want to be in the growth marketing. There's few reasons for that. Startups or startup companies, especially early stage teams, it's blank page. You can do anything you want. From early on, regardless of the position, you have a huge ownership of the task. The teams are small. So you're relatively independent and have a lot of freedom to experiment and own that part of the company. That's first. Second, when you're just starting up, there's no existing processes. There's no top management to tell you how to do things or not to do things. There is a lot you can build uh, from scratch. There, there is a lot that you can pour your creativity and in, innovative approach to. There is a lot that you can kind of you know, steer the direction of the, the whole company in the marketing too. So that's that's really great. Third, of course, it's more laid back environment in a sense that you don't need to wait for seven days to get an approval to launch the ad. You could pretty much do it on the spot because you have the responsibility for the whole marketing or at least, you know, decisions are made very fast. The lifespan is very short. They need to make decisions on the goal. The, the pace is so fast that you kind of really get to make make progress and make impact very, very fast. And then, of course, there's a lot of amazing minds. I mean, the whole entrepreneurial mindset and working with fellow entrepreneurs, people who are so courageous to just start their own companies, being around these people, I think it's what fosters growth because it takes a certain kind of individual to go on a, on a path of being an entrepreneur. So if you, if you want to grow your career in growth marketing, and if you need to think where to get started from, just go and work for a startup company. I think it's the fastest road for you and the, the fastest growth that you will experience to get to get there. Of course, naturally, there are things like courses and books, and there is a lot of valuable things that you can learn and gain and soak in as you go. But it's that practice that ultimately gets you gets you to the growth market level. So startups startup guys it's it's the best i would, I would <laughs> if, agree uh, yeah it's i mean yeah i love i love startups i love it's so inspiring you get to work with new products and services people are really on a mission to better the world i mean what what i can't imagine a better environment to test things and experiment with stuff than a startup so yeah yeah i would agree well Julia, it's, it's been great. I really appreciate you coming on today. And um, how, how can people find and, and connect with you? 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. It was amazing discussion and yeah, love marketing. It was really, really great to bounce back ideas with you guys. We hope we do this again or at least stay that. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. So you can find me on Instagram as well. And the way you can find me, it's very, very simple. And you can just type in my name, uh, family name, which is Salorenko. And there's only three people in the world who have this name because uh, me and my husband invented this name. So it's it's a completely new name. We took a part of his family name and part of my family name and combined it together, registered it. So our family basically is the only Salorenko in the world. So it's very easy. If you want to find me, just put that name anywhere in Google and probably have a bunch of different resources to check and read and follow. And I would be very happy to stay in touch. Awesome. Yeah, cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Awesome. And yeah, it's thank been great. you guys. It's been amazing. Thank you for the conversation. And yeah, let's continue doing the awesome growth mindset work. So that wraps up this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about today's topic or guest, we've got some links for you provided over in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and share your review. That really helps others find the show and get into their network as well. So until next time, I'm Allie. And I'm Travis. And remember, when you get outside of your comfort zone, it just means you're headed in the right direction. Keep an open mind and keep learning. And we're out.